comes up short. What do, you, what do you do when, when dreams that you've had, dreams that you feel like almost are a part of who you are, don't happen, they don't come true? Um, what, what do you do when it feels like, you know, with this movie clip we just watched, what makes me think is like, what do you do when you feel like your story is, is written and it's not the story you wanted to write? Does that make sense? Isn't this epic? The Pixar does such great storytelling. This is one of my favorite movie scenes of, of all times. It's just in four minutes tells this complete story of, of, of two lives together that had dreams. That had, and here's the other thing, that had a lot of good things going for them, right? I think all of us, I, I, know, I know most of us in the room, and we would say, man, there's a lot of good things going in my life, right? Like, like the, the characters here. But what, what do we do when there's certain areas of our life that fall short, that, that, that come up short, and we wish they were different, but they, they're not? What do we do with that? What do we do with that despair? Even, even if it's just like in one area of our life, it's like, man, life's good here, it's, it's good there, but this one area, it's just not adding up. It's not coming together like I hope. It would. What do you do with that? We're in this series called Everywhere, and we're it's the premise of this series as we're as we're going through it is God's story. If if we are if we are open to seeing it, God's story is everywhere. It's in every story that you and I, uh, you and I enjoy, and, and, and we could, we talked about this last week. But you know we can tell a lot about each other by what we're entertained by. Like, if we sat down and talked about, hey, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite book? Right? We, we could tell a lot about each other. But what if we could actually tell a, a lot about God from the stories that we enjoy, interestingly enough? That there's deep, maybe that there's deep theology in the stories that you and I are entertained by. There's things we can learn about God by the things, by analyzing the things that you and I are entertained by. Wouldn't that be interesting? And at first, this might look like, yeah, we're, we're showing movie clips. We're, you know, like, you know, like we got cartoons in church. Yes, yes, that's true. But I don't want us to miss how deep the theology is, how much we can learn about God through, through, uh, through the things that we are entertained by. And we can tie it back to Scripture and we can tie it back because it's, it's actually pretty, it's pretty incredible that, that we stop and think about, like, why, why are we drawn to romance stories? Why do we always want the guy to get the girl? Why do we, why do we only go to movies? Okay, I, I thought of an, I got an exception this week. Okay, good does not always defeat evil. There's not always resolution within a story. Monty Python. Okay, but can we just, like, throw that one out? That that one's, you know, like, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, like, the whole, the whole ending of Monty Python, the Holy Grail doesn't make sense. But every other story that you and I enjoy, every story that we're drawn to has in it resolution. It has in it the, 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 the good guy wins, that, that, that good defeats evil, that light conquers darkness. And we go to those movies again and again and again, and we turn them into box office hits. Why? 
because there's something in, the, in us. We, we've talked about this, that this is really, it's the fingerprints of God in our lives. The fingerprints of God on our hearts that's telling us something about ourselves, of what we long for in life, what we desire in life. Not that we're not just entertained by these stories. It's not just that we like these stories. It's, it's we, that we go and watch these stories and movies in hopes that those stories might be our own someday, right? We talked about the, the that we did a little bit of high school English last week, right? The plot, the plot diagram. Every story that we have has a beginning. Every story that, that we read or, or watch or enjoy has a beginning, and then there's some sort of conflict that happens, and that, pro- that makes rising action, that climaxes in a war or in some sort of, you know, like, conflict. And, uh, and then there's the falling, the falling action, and then finally the resolution where the, the, you know, the guy and the girl ride off into the sunset, and they live happily ever after. Um, where, where the you know, evil is defeated and life is good and set right again. And it's just so interesting to me like, that, that we, this is like, it's the archetype. It's, it's what we long for in every movie, in every story that goes through this. It, why? What can we learn about ourselves that, that we want? I, I think we can learn that there's certain things in life that we want. And I, th- I would even argue that there's certain things in our life that were designed to want, that there's a longing in our hearts for, for a hero in our lives. And it's only explained through the gospel. I, I, guys, here's what I want to talk about today. There is so much, there's so much available to us. For those of us going back to this idea of like, what do you do when your dreams are, are shattered, when, when something is that you just really long for doesn't come true, what do you do? And I just want to encourage us this morning in the outset and say there's so much available to us. Um, and, and in order to kind of to reassure us and to bring us into that hope, I want us to look at two, pre- two passages of Scripture. One's in the book of Revelation. Um, in fact, if, you, if you're pulling from the Bibles here in the pews, that's, uh, we're going to go to page 583. Otherwise, I'll have it up here on the board. And, and what's, what's cool about um, Revelation, Revelation is the last book of the Bible, right? It's the, it's the final word of the story. And, and it's interesting, as I was preparing this this week, I knew I wanted to pass, preach out of, out of uh, Revelation. And in the, begin, like, like in the front of the book of Revelation in my Bible here, I don't know when I wrote this, but I wrote this down in, in like the front. It says, to fully understand a story, you need both the beginning and the and the end. To fully understand a story, you need both the beginning and the end. And here's what we're going to discover today. The key and the um, antidote to our despair, the, 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 the way that we get through things that are hard in life, loss in life, the griefs of life, What's available to us is not just the beginning of the story, but the end as well. We need, in in order to, what is it, to fully understand a story, we need to know the beginning and the end. To, To understand our story, we need to understand both the beginning and the end of the story, of the grand story. So we're going to talk about, I want to start with the end 
of the grand story. Jesus Christ came, you know, this, like 2,000 years ago. He, God came in the form of a man, is what we believe as Christians. And he came not just to hang out with who he created. He came not just to, to yell at them and say, you got it all wrong. He came to bring heaven to earth, to, 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 bring, to bring God's kingdom to this kingdom. And he did it in such a way, and so interesting, if, if, if you, like, I don't know, like, I'm a parent, and, and I have children, and so, like, in a, in a sense, like, I kind of created those kids, or I had a hand in creating those kids, we'll not keep moving with this thought, but, but like, I, if, if my kids are in another room making a ruckus, as their father, especially if the, there's a ruckus that other people are, bought, you know, like, that they're, they're being disturbed by, or they're, you know, like, they're being inconvenienced by, I feel like I have a responsibility to that inconvenience, right? And I'm going to like storm into that room and I'm going to make it right. As a parent, I might yell at the kids, hey, stop doing that or quit it. And you, you go over there, you go, you know, like the, however I might handle it as a father, as a parent that day. How would you, you know, like, and, and what's interesting to think about is like if you were the God of the universe and you created this world and this world had gone awry, what would you do to make it right? You know, it's an interesting question. If you were God and you had God's power and, and you saw everything that was happening in the world, what would you do to make it right? And the New Testament is really an answer to that question. The start of the New Testament is God sent his son into the world to make it right, to, to bring it back into order. And what you see is not Jesus going around, you know, like, knock it off, and you go over here, and you go over here. No, it's, it's, you see him loving, you see him, you see him meek, you see, you see him born as a baby as we celebrated at Christmas, you see him, him standing up for those who are, are downtrodden, you see him being willing, not, what's so interesting, and this, this threw everybody off, is he came and he actually served his creation. One time he was serving people and, 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 and somebody asked him, what are you doing? And he said, this is why I've come. The Son of Man has come not, to, not to, to be served, but to serve. And then he said these words, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's ultimately what his mission would, his mission would climax as, as in death on a cross, death that he didn't have to, to die he, in, on a cross. And, and, then, and then, of course, as Christians, we believe that, that the, the climax is not him death, his death on the cross like it is William Wallace. You know, William Wallace, the, the Braveheart movie, like the climax is like, freedom, you know, and then he dies. And it's like, man, that's a great story. Jesus' story doesn't climax a death. The climax is three days later when he defeats death and rises again. And it is so crazy. If you read the New Testament, you watch the people that Jesus, his disciples, you watch the people that, uh, that surrounded him go from, that was the climax, and there's no resolution to this story. We're all toast. We're scared because, like, uh, this guy just died. If they can kill him, they can kill us. So they run away, Right? And they think that, like, you know, what do you do when it feels like this is the end of your story? That your story's written. They felt like their story was written, and they were thrust in all despair. 
darkness. Peter, Peter, you know, like Peter, poor Peter was like, like he's the one that the last words off his lips, the last time he saw Jesus living, he had just betrayed him. This is a horrible story. And again, like we know, like the New Testament Testament writers, they know despair. They they can identify with you and me where it's like, is this it? Is, Is my story written? Is this all there is? Yes, I know there were some good things that we had going along with Jesus. For We got to, to witness some cool things, to do some cool things. But that almost makes it worse because we thought he was from God. And now he's dead. And lo and behold, on the third day, Sunday, our day, the reason we're having church this morning is because it's the Lord's day. It's the day that we celebrate that he rose from the dead. And he conquered death and sin. That's the story of the gospel. And the story continues on. That, so the, 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 that's, that's kind of like, oh man, there's, there's kind of like, like, okay, maybe this isn't the climax of the story then. Maybe, maybe the resurrection isn't the climax. What we're about to read is, we'll call it another climax. Okay, let's not go into the micro-meta-narrative of, of everything. But the, here's the thing, is... is the story continues on. He, he ascends. He says, hey, I want you to go into all the world and tell people about what I'm about, that I've defeated death, that, that, that death doesn't get the last word. And then find, you know, years go on, and the last thing to be written in the New Testament is this book of Revelation. At this time, we think that the, the author of, of Revelation, his name is John, we think he's probably about 90 years old. He's an old man, and, and he, like, the, a lot of the, the world is, is, like, a lot of, we, we think that a lot of his friends have died, actually, at this point. Most of the apostles had already been killed because of their faith. He's, one, like, a lone survivor, and there had to be, we, all, it, we also think that he wrote this on this island called Patmos in the Mediterranean Sea. He was all alone. He was in, what they would do with prisoners is they just put them on islands. It's like, well, we don't have to worry about him over there. So they just put him over there. So they put John on this island. And he's just living. He's there. He's this old man. And he, and he had to have thought, is this it? Is this how my story ends? And God's like, no, I have different plans. I have one more message that I need you to write to the churches. And what I need you to write to the churches is this is the end of the story. This is how it ends. And if you've read the book of Revelation, I get, if you've read the book of Revelation, you've scratched your head before. You're like, I, I don't understand what that is. And there's all this imagery, and a lot of it, honestly, a lot of it I studied in seminary, a lot of it has to do with, with it's, it's a critique on the Roman Empire, a lot of it. So, so some of the imagery of the woman and the, this woman drinking blood and this, this, these crazy beasts, and like it's this dark story because there was some dark things happening. At, at the time, in the Roman Empire, it was this this really vicious evil, vicious evil things going on, and so this, there's this tone in the Bible, but in, in the Revelation, but also there's this tone of like the reality is is there's some vicious evil things going on in the world right now. I mean, the news is not that kind right now. It's kind of scary. It's kind of dark. It kind of makes you think, man. God, can you please intercede? And what you find in this book of of Revelation is you find the saints crying out, Lord, when? How long will this go on? And the Lord answers. 
and, he, and, and Jesus comes a second time. The lamb who had been slain comes a second time, and this time he comes a little bit differently. He comes with a sword. And he, he comes to make the world right. And what's crazy is there's this huge buildup in the book of Revelation, and there's like, there's this whole, all these armies preparing for war, and I forget which chapter it is, but then it's all of a sudden Jesus is like, come, comes, and it's like, and then it's done. It's like the worst war scene ever. Like, like if they put it into a movie, it'd be like, here we go. It'd be like Lord of the Rings, and instead of three hours, it's three minutes. Boom, done. The last movie, just done. Jesus wins. Spoiler alert. You know? And he comes because he's so mighty. And then, and then he separates those who have followed him for those who haven't. The, the, the evil from the good, the, the chaff from the wheat. And he says to, to the people who have endured, the people who have persevered, the people who have overcome and kept their sights on the heaven rather than this world, those he invites them into eternity. And that's where we pick up today. This is what I want us to read. Again, this is, we're getting the end of the story here because to understand a story, you need both the beginning and the end. And, and I'm, I'm actually kind of ashamed at this a little bit. When we do series, a lot of times I start in Genesis. We start by preaching the beginning of the story. We don't talk about the end enough. And we're going to find out today why this is so important, why the end of the story is so important. Revelations chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And this is, guys, what happens here is, is so important to catch. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Pause for a second. Did you know we don't go to heaven? Heaven comes to us. In the end, when the, when the world, when, when God makes this world right again, in the end of the story, we don't leave this earth and it's a God-forsaken earth and he just poof, you know, like, let's just pretend that that chapter of life didn't happen and you come up by me because my kingdom is better than yours. No, when, when, we, when we die, when, when, when Christ returns, we don't go to heaven. Heaven comes here. Did you catch that? The new Jerusalem descends out of heaven. And heaven and earth are wed. They, they get married. Do you see that imagery? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful, dressed beautifully for her husband. And then catch this. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Which is what this is basically, this is, this is, guys, this is the biggest resolution to this story. Because from the beginning of the story, what does God desire? The God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth, of everything we see, his number one desire, so it seems, through this book is what? To be close to us. To be with us. 
to be with his creation. Adam, Eve, let's walk in the cool of the day in the garden and let's talk. Let's, what did you discover today? What animal did you name today? What fruit did you try today? I want to hear about it all. It's like, it's like, his, it's like his picking up his kids from school. Tell me everything. And Adam and Eve didn't say, it was good. Which is what my kids say every time I pick them up. No, tell me more. It was fine. No, no, no. Adam and Eve were like, no, we did this. And they, they, they were together. And then sin. The fall, right? The conflict in the story. The rising action. What's God going to do now that, that they, they brought, they've sinned against him? They did the one thing that, they told him not to, that he told them not to do. Don't eat this fruit. And they eat the fruit. And the story goes on, and it, it immediately turns dark. There's murder, there, there's lying, there's, there's blame. You know, like he said, she said, you know, this woman who you put with me, you know, like, like, like the woman, the woe man, like, like he starts blaming her, you know, and, and it's just a mess because that's what sin does. It messes up our lives. And anytime sin enters the world, sin has to be addressed because it messes something up. And that's the rest of the story from chapter 3 of Genesis on is what will God do? Fast forward centuries later and God has this, he saves this nation out of slavery, out of Egypt. The Hebrews. And what's the message? Hey, I have done this because I want to be with you. I want to be your God and you will be my people. And they say, yes, that is so good. Oh, look, a golden calf. Let's worship that. You know, and it's this, it, that's the whole struggle of the Bible from start to finish. And, and, and if we're reading it correctly, it's not those dumb Hebrews, that, you know, Adam and Eve, they're so stupid. It's like, no, woe is me. I do the same thing. My story is the same. You created me in the beginning, Lord. You created me, and I've chosen, there's a conflict, I've chosen not to follow you. I've chosen life without you, and there's rising action. What will God do? He still desires to be with you. And if we really want to know where this is going, and if we don't want to have to sit in our despair, we need to know what? Not just the beginning of the story. We need to know the end. And it's right here. Revelation 21. And I heard, verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with his people, and God himself will be with them, and do you see this language? Do you see this? And they will be, and he will be their God. He, and then here's, here's what's so cool, because here's where our despair gets wiped away. This is so important. Don't miss this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Like, death is no longer a thing in this world to come. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making, catch this, everything new. Can I get an amen? Can we just say amen? You know what the word amen means? Truly. May this be true. Lord, 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 <laughs> Lord. May, may what this words is saying, that you are making everything new, will, may that be true. Lord, Lord, can it possibly be true that you are making me new? 
amen. You can even say an amen with a question mark at the end. Truly? (laughs) Amen? Can that be true? Please let it be true, amen? That God is making you new? That God is, is the, the, those areas of your life, you're like, is this it? Is, this my, is my story now written? Is this the end? Is it possible that God is making that new, even that? He's writing, you know, like, like, if you feel like at the end, like at the end of the movie Up. What's cool about the movie Up is like that he, he had to feel like that's the end of his story. She's gone. We never did what we were able to do. And the rest of the movie is the story is not finished. Is it possible that the same is true for you and me? And if it's true, what do we do? See, what I want to talk about for the rest of today is what do we do in those moments of despair? What do we do in those moments that feel like this is, I, I know, I know in the end, but like what, what about right now? In, in, in those moments, what I would applaud us, uh, uh, implore us to do is to remember Christ is victorious. That this is our ending. I, will, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Here's what the gospel offers us. And this is so cool. The gospel offers us that yes, death is real. That, that, that pain is real. That, that Christ had to go to the cross and die. That loss is real. Despair is real. It just doesn't get the last say. Amen? It doesn't get the last word. It is real. And this is, this is why I love the Christian faith, is it's not the Christian faith is not this death and all this is over here, but let's just pretend that that's not real and just let's focus on heaven. It's like, no, 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 it is real. This hurts. I want life to be different. I didn't think, I didn't plan for it to go this way. This wasn't my dream. This wasn't my hope, right? But it doesn't get the last word. And when we know the beginning and the end of the story, what's so awesome about that is we, we can find hope. When we keep the end of the story in mind, it, it, it reminds us that hope is available to us. And we have to keep that. And this is, this is, this is why I'm talking about this in this series. This is, this is why we love these stories where there is hope at the end. Even if it's a two-hour fix, you know. I, you guys know I, 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 I went through a, a depressive episode the last year or so. And during that time, one of the things I noticed that would give me respite was film, movies. Like just losing myself in a story that was not my own. And even for two hours, if I could just s- escape my own story and see hope in somebody else's, it felt good. Why is that? Because that's written on our hearts. That type of hope. We want our stories to be that story. Think about it. Every story that, that has, every story that you and I enjoy has someone who has to start doing something without, without knowing. They have to take a step forward without knowing the outcome. In a sense, they have to take a step of faith and hope that 
Frodo can find the ring and, and, and throw it into Mordor. He doesn't know whether he can do that. He doesn't know whether it will be successful. And did you know, see, this is so important. This is by design. There's, like, there's nothing wrong with you. These longings in your heart, that's by design. God created you for more. That's you longing for the more that God created you for. But the, the moment we lose sight of that, 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 that this is what I'm saying. Do you know it's by design that you actually face death? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Every single one of us, save the second coming of Christ, coming, Christ coming back, is going to go the way of this world and pass away. That's God's design for us is that we actually, in life, face death, face hardship. But at first you're like, why would he do that to us? Because he knows that with, armed with hope, we can do it. We can face death. You and I can face death with a smile on our face. We can face death like William Wallace, who, who knows he's about to die and knows, yes, but I am going to get the last word. My, the, 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 when he cries out, freedom, and my death will be remembered by that. Not by some guy who messed up, who didn't win, who, you know, he never saw the war won. That's not how his story ends. His story ends courageously. Our stories can be like Aragon. At the end, in the third movie, I love that scene. It was actually in that little trailer video where where Aragon's, he's, he's, there, there's, there's this, you know, kind of this stalemate between Mordor and and, and the, the, the good the good guys, and at one point in time, Aragon just kind of looks at everybody, smiles, and charges into the fray, charges the enemy line, and you know why that stirs in us so much, why we watch that, and I, I know, I know, that maybe that's a guy thing, I really don't think it is, I think girls, you're like, that is awesome, that is courage, why, why do we long for that, because we're designed to face death, and, and, and say to death, look death straight in the eye and say, yes, you will take me, but you will not get the last word. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that wonderful? That's the hope that's available to us through the gospel, through Christ the victor. The fact that Christ died on the cross, but that was not the last of his story. The climax was that he rose from the dead. The climax was that he comes back and defeats death. The climax is, here's the beautiful thing about the gospel, is the climax is always in front of us. It, it, the best is yet to come with, when, we, when we are in eternity with Christ. And he says, come, let's go. One of my, my most beautiful and wonderful um, pictures, C.S. Lewis, if you've never read any of C.S. Lewis's accounts of what heaven is like, you have to. It's so good. At the end of, um, you can read about it in... Um, the Great Divorce, which I've told you about before, but the very last book of the, it's called The Last Battle in the Chronicles of Narnia. And there's this, it's kind of this very Revelation-esque um, type book where there's, you know, like there, there's, a, there's an, all, like an antichrist and, and there's darkness and this darkness going to win and, and, and good, and, and Aslan wins in the end. And they all start, they go to heaven and it's these mountains and they're just, they're, they're starting to run and they're starting to fly. And there's this phrase that keeps recurring, further up and further in, further up, further in. Let's, let's go explore further up and further in because in the gospel, the best is always yet 
to come. And here's why I bring all of this up is we need, if we want to face the despair and the darkness that's in life, we have to be armed, not with just the beginning of the story, but the end. It's so important. If you and I are going to have any chance of facing the things that haunt us the most right now, we have to be able to see the gospel and see the good news and find hope and cultivate and farm hope everywhere. Which is why we titled this series Everywhere, because we're hoping to train you to see that in the movies, in the songs that we you can be driving around and there's a song on the radio, and it might not even be K-Love. It could be some other, like, like there's, it doesn't, it's not always K-Love, it, but some other song, and it's just like, oh my goodness, there it is. There's the gospel, and I can stand in that hope today. It's our only shot. It, we need to place this, this, this hope, this eternal message everywhere in our lives. We need to see it everywhere in our lives. We need to train our children. Oh, I know, child, you're going through these changes. I know, child, this life is hard. I know, child, you've been rejected. But that rejection doesn't get the last word. We have to say those things. We have to preach those things over our own lives, claim those things in the hope of Christ. It's our only hope if, if, if not just going down into despair. We need to cultivate hope by seeing it everywhere. Amen? What are the stories? What, what, are you, what are you, actually, first, what are you facing right now? Where, where's the despair in your life? Where, where, where do you feel like, man, is this it? Is my story written? And how can you, what, what part of the gospel, what part of the gospel, do, do you know, what part of the gospel do you know that you can, like, like uh, I heard it once said, Timothy Keller preached a, a sermon once, he's like, do you know the gospel? Can you make it sing? Can you, can, you, can you make it sing over you? Can you play it like a song when you need it most? The gospel is this. That, that God loves us so much that he refuses to just let us go down into oblivion, to let us go down into despair, to let us just, just wallow in our sin. So he sent his son. And his son came and, and, and died, but died victorious and defeated death. And then invites us to, to shift our blame, to shift our sin onto him and to say, take it. Take my despair. And for those who will do that, they will enter into glory with him someday. And that's the hope that we have in the gospel. Do you know how to play that like a song on the radio, like a song, like just like, you know, like play it. Like I need your words. I need the end of the story right now, Jesus. And if you do, if we do, our despair, we, we, if we do, we can face death like William Wallace. We can charge the fray like Aragorn. And we can face what you and I need to face. I pray that you see his story everywhere this week.
in every song, in every story, and that it brings you hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. May the God of hope bring you life this week. May, may the, the strength and courage of Christ overwhelm you this week. May you learn to, to play the gospel like, like, like a song over your life, over your kid's life this week. Father, we, we ask that we would be able to, to find hope in you. Deep, invigorating, real hope. Not, not, not syrupy, superficial hope, but hope that, 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 that does not let us down. I pray that we would be able to find that in you, in Christ, in your triumph over the evil powers of this world. And I pray that that, that that would wash over us and move us into a new relationship between you and ourselves. I pray all this in your name. Amen.